Good evening, and welcome. This is Brooke Falk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the book Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud. What you're about to hear this evening's episode, Revelation of Revelations, never been revealed before now in this audio format here on Talk To. We welcome you now to listen in as we introduce evening's program topic, which is one-of-a-kind program, where it is the scripture speaking the truth through the in-depth scripture studies of Ken Vernon. Good evening, Ken. Good evening, Brooke. And welcome to everyone. We thank you for coming. Tonight, in keeping with our Revelation or Revelation theme, we will bring you some more total false statements that are found in your English translation of the Bible, especially, once again, from the book of Revelation. But we're going to start tonight in Genesis with the tree of life. For those who have never looked at the Garden of Eden with any detail, or have had any interest in the Garden of Eden other than the events with Adam and Eve and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, tonight's program will enlighten you regarding the tree of life. We are told in Genesis that the Creator gave Adam some instructions regarding the trees in the garden and the the fruit, the fruit trees, specifically the fruit trees. Adam was told that he could eat from any tree in the garden with the exception of one, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. All the other trees were free game. No problem. Just don't eat from that one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some point along the way, Adam communicated that to Eve. But, we are told, a serpent came along and beguiled Eve. And Eve did take of the fruit of the tree, of the good, of the knowledge of good and evil, and ate the fruit, and also gave it to her husband, Adam, who also ate of the fruit of the tree, of the knowledge of good and evil. And lo and behold, they hear the the most high walking in the garden in the cool of the afternoon, and they hide themselves. Of course, by now he knows exactly what had gone on. So he called out to Adam. He said, where are you, Adam? (laughs) A a very 
poor excuse he gives for his lack of being there. So he asked him, he said, did you do what I told you not to do? Right away, Adam says, the woman you gave me. He dumped that right off. He was not the bad guy. The woman you gave me, she did it. She gave it to me, and I did eat. Hmm. Most I said to them, oh, well, you have disobeyed my command, Adam, and here's your punishment. You are going to till the soil now. You're not going to live in this beautiful garden where all you had to do was dress it and keep it. It would produce all the food that you needed. Now you're going to work, and you're going to work. You, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to so that you can eat because he would throw them out of the garden, which he did. He gave Eve her punishment, and he placed an angel with a flaming sword to keep them out of the garden. So here's Adam and Eve now not knowing anything about planting their own food, but nevertheless, they had to get on with that business. However, we had also told at this time that because of the sin that he committed, he would have to be thrown out of the garden lest he put forth his hand and take also of the tree of life and live forever. For all of us who never paid any attention to that, it is important to go back now and remember that they were given permission to eat from every tree in that garden, except one. But now that they have sinned, they have to be thrown out of the garden because if they ate from a tree of life, they would live forever. That passage is contrary to every piece of scripture that is written anywhere else in the Bible. Man does not get eternal life from the fruit of a tree. It just doesn't work that way. In Genesis, we are told that everything reproduces after its kind. All the animals, all, all the birds, even the fruit trees in the garden and outside the garden. Everything that was there would reproduce after their kind. But now, Someone cleverly puts this tree that can give you eternal life if you ate the fruit of it. That is a staggering piece of falsehood that has been put into the Bible, and it's been sitting there ever since I went to Sunday school. Not one Sunday school teacher, not any minister, during my youth, right into my 
late years. No one saw that, that this tree that was supposed to be capable of giving eternal life was available to Adam and Eve in the garden, as long as they didn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what that tree is saying, the tree of life in the garden, is that had Adam and Eve eaten from that tree, they would live forever. Does that sound insane to you? (laughs) Their children would also have eternal life. There would be no need for the sacrifice of the Messiah to save man from sin. This is critical because no one, absolutely no one, nowhere in Christianity today has taken any note of the fact that in Genesis, where we find that tree of life, there's a tree that would give eternal life. Everybody in Christianity knows that it is through the sacrifice of the Son, of the Mosai, that by his shed blood, we are given eternal life. Now, as terrible as that may appear, I'm going to take you to the book of Revelation, where the only other place we find it in our English translation of the Bible is the tree of life. And I will read it to you so that you see, once again, not only that the book of Revelation is a fraudulent work, but there was actually no tree of life in the Garden of Eden. It's another fraudulent passage, as I said before, in all the English translations of the Bible. Now, let's go to Revelation. And we're going to take you to Revelation 21. And the chronology here is what gives it away. It's very important to consider that. In Revelation 21, and I'll read this for you so that you get the full gist of it. It says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Earth as you and I know it today, and the heavens as you and I know it today, is gone. No longer exists. And he continues, he says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Now here comes a verse that begins to show you the madness about the tree of life found in the Garden of Eden. Verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death. No more death. All tears will be removed from their eyes. No more sorrowing. No more death. No more crying. 
neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Very well then. Revelation 21 tells us that in the new heaven and the new earth, there will be no more death. The beings who are there will not experience any kind of sorrow. No one will have any need to cry. Keep that in mind as I go on. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Okay? Now we go to chapter 22. And catch this. We are in the new heaven and the new earth. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Now there's a water of life. Clear as crystal proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was there the tree of life. Did you catch that? Here, the tree of life comes back into the picture. Which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. (laughs) If you missed that, we are told in chapter 21 that there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, no more pain. The former things are passed away. But here we have in Revelation the tree of life, the leaves from it will be for healing the nations. What nonsense! These are no more flesh and blood human beings in the new heaven and the new earth, according to what he says in verse in chapter twenty one. No more death, no more crying. But yet, in 22, he's telling us that people will become sick. They will need to be healed. A bold-faced lie from chapter 21 to chapter 22. The tree of life, which also a lie in Genesis, proves to be an even bigger lie in chapter 22 of Revelation. Very simply put, when you use the, the Isaiah system to whom he shall teach knowledge, and you go line upon line, precept upon precept, the tree of life makes absolutely no sense. In both cases, it's a lie. A total fraudulent passage. The Apostle Shaul, Paul, 1 Corinthians 15, says, As in Adam... All die. But in Messiah, all shall be made alive. Through one man, sin came into this world, and through the first Adam, 
the second Adam, who is Messiah, sin was removed from this world. He's the one who gives us eternal life through his shed blood. When the kingdom of heaven comes to the earth, at the end of the resurrection of the dead, the folks who are in the kingdom will not endure any pain, any dying, any sorrowing, because those former things will have passed away. If you recall the uh, narrative about the woman who had seven husbands and the Messiah was asked, whose, whose wife shall he be in the resurrection? He told his questioners, the, the people who followed him for just that reason, to find fault that what he was doing, the spies from the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, in the regeneration, they neither giving, they neither give in marriage or are given in marriage. All who are resurrected in the second resurrection become eventually like angels, meaning they become spirit beings. There will be no more physical beings. Yet, Revelation takes the tree of life, supposedly producing a fruit of one kind or another every month. And the leaves, only the leaves, will be used for the healing of the nations. The lies abound in the scriptures. In the Revelation of Revelation, we make a concerted effort to bring everyone the lies that are written in the book. Some people are offended by the word lies. But the Creator says in Proverbs 30 and verse 6, Add thou not unto his words, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. He also inspired Moses to write so that everyone could read it. Do not add unto his words, nor subtract from them. So once again, from the revelation of revelation, I have brought you more truths from your Bible. The truth which sanctifies the believer. The Messiah, in John chapter 17, prayed, for those whom, who were given to him by the Father. He said, I pray not for the world. I pray for them who you have given me, that they may be one, and you and I are one. In another passage from John 17, he says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. Nowhere, anywhere in the scriptures, we can miss the point. The truth is what sanctifies us. We focus on the truth because that is what matters. Messiah said in eight, in John eight, in verse thirty-one, "If you continue in my word, you shall learn the truth." 
will make you free. Those who obey that he gives to them his Holy Spirit that they may receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, which will guide them into all truth. And that is the only way that anyone can learn the truth from the Scriptures. It is an invisible force that brings us the truth from the Bible. Over to you, Brooke. You have been listening to the Revelation of Revelation with none other than Kenrick Vernon, a man who has inside and out self-taught scriptures until the latter part of this particular point of what I'm getting at here of life and where he was not searching, it was given to him, the opening up of these scriptures. So let's say he had 50 years of seeking the truth, but it was kept from him until a time when it was the right time in the creator's time schedule. I, as an assistant writer, have never written until my later years. When I turned 60, I became a writer. And a few years later, this idea of presenting the talk show format of Revelation of Revelation through Ken Vernon's inspiration and what he has been led to see in scriptures, it's just so surreal in many ways. Myself as a writer, and that is what my profession is to this day, on a small scale, I do write many short stories, and they have been throughout the world for various people who have requested short stories. Never could I envision this, but it prepared me to help this assistant writing of a great work that was already in front of us the whole time in all our religious upbringing, reading these scriptures, just as most who, or not, if not all, listening to this program or will stumble across this program. There is a reason for that, and I'm sure that you too have been confused and felt there was something not just right in what the man's Bibles that you were reading fit with you. Yet within them is the truth, and it took something to get them out, so to speak, and laid open on the table. But you need more than just the words. You need understanding. Understanding, because you've been understanding what you thought you were understanding from man's preaching in your lifetime, and now you're seeing words differently, though they are the same, but yet they can be referenced from one part of another book to this part of this book, which Ken has exemplified and exampled tonight, and why the importance of being able to segue and mesh together these, it tripped up the very writers who was trying to rewrite what they shouldn't have been putting in there. They could not code it enough for themselves. Nothing could have destroyed the truth. The truth that you seek is yet in its pure form, and it uh, is almost like confounding the mighty ones as far as the earthly mighty ones who put themselves 
on a podium to preach the gospel. I could go on for another stretch about current affiliations with a church for the benefit of my mother's will, who is in her late 80s, but she has only known this, and to try to take the comfort level of socializing with her people of uh, about the age that she is, that would be devastating to her. Now, it's not blasphemous for me to attend a church service, but what I have uh, witnessed and what I understand from the preacher of today preaching the same things his dad and his granddad did before him is so erroneous, but they don't seek the truth outside of their tradition, and that is the problem, as I see it. A young preacher now of early 40s, he is able to look in and see some of the scriptures, and he does push some others away as non-belief in their particular religious sect. We'll call it a religious sect, but it's a a, a Protestant-type church, and yet he can't see the other. The pronouncement of a hell and a heaven, and if there could be an open book to show you that there is no hell in the way that the damnation preachers have been preaching for centuries, and there is no man who entered into heaven. And the simple thing is that confounds everybody when they do the Lord's Prayer. How how ironic it is that this prayer that is accepted in so many and probably repeated hundreds of thousands of times daily, a kingdom come that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here is the kingdom to be set up, the second coming. Yet people want to live in heaven. Well, okay, well, the kingdom's here. Why would you want to be there? That's just so baffling to so many to see that but and to repeat it probably thousands of times in the lifetime but don't get the connection. Wow, why would I want to go to heaven? if thy kingdom come uh, here. All right, a little rambling there, Ken, but uh, it's been a good program, and we thank you very much for picking the tree of life as a topic for tonight. As the trees are blooming in the northeast of the United States at this very particular time. Very timely. Okay, uh, I will bid us all a good night then, and return again and visit with us here on Revelation of Revelation. Visit our website.com. You'll find contact information. You'll read blog that is somewhere down your line. You're going to have questions, and that's a great place to ask them, not only for your own benefit, but for the others who read the blog. So please do turn into that Revelation of Revelation.com. Until next episode, this is Brooke Falk, assistant writer, on behalf of Ken Vernon, saying good night. <laughs>